Hey guys, good to see you this uh, week again. Uh, if this is your first time hanging out, glad you're joining online. Uh, my name is Dan, one of the pastors here. Love the fact that you're with us. Hopefully you're having a good week. Uh, if you don't have a church home, love to invite you to come here. We have four services, 8 o'clock Sunday morning, 9.30, 11 o'clock, and then we have 5.30 Sunday night, which is the same service as Sunday morning. So it's for those who you know, work first shift, have other things going on during the day. I'd love to meet you. I'd love for you to come. Occupy one of our seats here. Uh, we'd love to get a chance to know you a little bit. Uh, Bible's open to Philippians chapter 4 is where we're at. Uh, third week in a series we're doing. And so if you have your Bibles open, and I hope you will, um, I'd love to read the passage, pray with you, and then let's just jump in. We've been studying and are going to be studying for five weeks, uh, Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Paul is writing this from prison, and he says this, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'm going to say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Then he says this, finally, brothers, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, noble, uh, he's saying whatever's right, pure, lovely, admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you and we bow our lives in worship to you this day. You're bigger than we think and you're nearer than we imagine. Thank you for your ultimate control over everything and your intimate care of us. We believe you're a good God and you're still at the canvas of our messy lives forming a masterpiece into the image of your son, Jesus Christ. Father, we believe you're holy. You're holy, 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 and we stand in absolute awe, wonder at your amazing, extravagant, relentless grace towards us. These dear people here today do not need to hear from me, but we do need and long to hear from you. And so to that end, we pray in Jesus' name and for his sake, amen. Uh, Paul says this, we've been talking about this, and uh, if you've been tracking with us, do not be anxious about anything. Literally, the Greek, uh, the way it would go is, be worrying about nothing. <laughs> As you, like, this week and this series be so simple if y'all just went and did that. Like, hey, don't worry about anything, let's just pray, right? And uh, service over. You're like, wow, shortest sermon ever. It'd be easy if we could just do that. Paul almost has the audacity Though to say, be worrying about nothing, don't be anxious about anything, in a world where we seem to be anxious about everything, uh, in a country where we lead the way in stress and anxiety and worry, uh, he has the audacity to say this for many of you listening, because I've heard from some of you, because you can worry about a lot of things and are worrying about a lot of things and are anxious about a lot of things. And he has the audacity to say this to me in the middle of living much of what we're talking about. Here's what we said. Worry is like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't get us anywhere, right? It's like walking around with an umbrella waiting for it to rain. Uh, somebody wrote this. Worry is like paying a debt that you don't owe. Worry is like praying for something you don't want. Worry lies to you. It tells you if you spend more time worrying, things will change. Jesus said not true. Worry steals from you creativity, passion, time, energy, but we said more important than all that, it's at the root of many, many of our sins. So we said the difference between anxiety and fear is this, fear sees a threat, fight or flight, 
anxiety imagines one and asks the question, what if? That's why uh, Paul, God through Paul, and now we want to wage war on worry and anxiety. We want to experience the calm of God in our anxious world. And so this word calm we're using as an acronym based off the book that I've shared with you the last couple of weeks by Max Lucado, Anxious for Nothing. Uh, it's original with him. Uh, we've tweaked some of the wording a little bit, but that uh, acronym begins with the letter C. We looked at this last week, celebrate God always. And here's what we said, if you were with us, celebrate God who's bigger than you thought. And he is ultimately in control. So we're gonna resign as the general manager of the universe. We're going to celebrate a God who's nearer than we imagined, and he intimately cares for each of us. He's in the boat. And some of you are in a pretty stormy season of life, and he's in the boat. He's here. Um, We're going to celebrate a good God who's working according to his purposes for our good. He's at the canvas, and even though it seems a mess, he's the master, and he's the one who can bring a masterpiece out of what's a mess. He's a good God. And then he's a holy, holy, holy God who is relentless and extravagant in his pursuit toward us with his grace. That's what makes grace amazing. Uh, Today, I want to take it a step further and say the A is ask God for help. Ask God for help. If you're taking notes, you want to write that down. And then I want to show you where we're getting that. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, the Greek word, I looked it up, and here's what it means, uh, in every situation. Like in everything, everything. But in everything, the word means, en pente is the word, means everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. We're going to ask God for help. Uh, This last summer, uh, well, actually Memorial Day, uh, we moved my youngest son to Louisiana. Uh, He went down there to get a job at a university uh, on their football staff, and uh, so we were excited for him. But what that meant was we were going to take a 16-hour trip. We'd rented a moving van, so I drove that. He was going to drive his car full of stuff. But we, my wife and I, needed a car to get back, so she was going to drive our car uh, to Louisiana. And so 16 hours, and uh, you need to know something. I don't know if you have ever heard me say this, but I'm a little bit of a control freak, right? And so usually when we go places, I drive, right? She doesn't mind, and I drive. I just, I don't know, I feel in control when I'm driving, I guess. But she's going to drive, and it's going to be three of us caravanning. And so uh, you can imagine, like I was a little bit like, okay, I hope everything goes well. We're just kind of going to head down there, a uh, long trip. And so she was going to drive our car, and, and I love our car. We have a, a Honda uh, and a little Honda uh, car, and it's almost got 200,000 miles on it. We like to drive them until they die. And, uh, but we got it all looked at and it was ready to go. Well, we get uh, part of the way down there and she calls me on the phone and she says, hey, Dan, the check engine light's on. And I'm like, don't worry about it. No problem, right? Check engine light's on. Uh, do, do what anyone would do. Just ignore it. <laughs> like, those things don't really matter, right? Just ignore it. And so we drove a little further and a couple hours later, she called me. She said, hey, Dan, the check engine light's on and it's blinking. <laughs> And so uh, I then began to ruminate on the check engine light, which was not just on, but it was blinking. And uh, as I began to ruminate, I thought, well, I can't ignore it anymore. We're going to do 
the thing that, you know, just makes sense. Uh, when I got in the car, I revved it up. I said, hey, listen, if the check engine light's on and it's blinking, you need to run it faster, rev it up more. Just give it all the gas you can give it. That will fix the problem. And then I went from revving it up, check engine light, didn't do anything with check engine light, didn't do anything with the blinking check engine light. And so then I began to get consumed with the check engine light being on and blinking, making all sorts of contingency plans in my mind for what happens. This thing gets stranded. She's driving, middle of four-lane highway. People are buzzing by us. I called my mechanic back here, and I tried to explain to him what was going on. He was great. Um, and he kind of gave me some suggestions, but that thing kept blinking, and you know, the car was acting a little bit funny. I got to Monroe, she got to Monroe, and I was just totally consumed with thinking about this. Revving it up didn't work, ignoring it didn't work, and so we drove right past, guess what, a Honda place. And I called them and said, can I bring it in? They said, bring it in, and then I stopped ruminating and thinking about it because it was at the place it was at a Honda place, the people who manufactured it, the people who made it, the people who knew it, and they were gonna diagnose it, and they were gonna fix it. The check engine light on my Honda told me the best thing for me to do is to take that to the Honda place where they could help with the problem. Anxiety in our life is a red light flashing on the dash of our mind telling us it's time for us to go to our creator, the one who manufactured us in prayer. And I think the big idea of what Paul is saying here, he said, quit carrying your anxiety and start casting it to God. When the light comes on, we can tend to do several things. We can ignore it. Some of us ignore it. It's like, okay, anxiety, we just try to ignore it. Others of us, we rev up our life. I just got to go faster. I got to outrun it. I got to outperform it. Talk about it. We become consumed with our anxiety. We plan every contingency known to man for every possible bad outcome that might happen. And isn't it true that for many of us, we pray, 94% of us pray at least once in the last three months. I wouldn't say the bar is real high, but many of us pray. But for many of us, we pray only when we exhaust all other options. For many of us, we pray when all, when all else fails. You ever hear this saying, when all else fails, what? Pray. When everything else fails, pray. And I think the point here is that when that light comes on, that anxiety, and it starts blinking, what if you and I, prayer was our first response, not the last resort? Not when all else fails, but what if it was our first resort, uh, response instead of our last resort? What if our first impulse as parents was to pray? We as parents get anxious about a lot of things when it comes to our kids. What if our first impulse was to pray? What if our first impulse when things were unfair in our life, and many of you are facing that right now, was to pray? What if our first impulse when we're mistreated was to pray? What if our first response when things were going good was to pray? What if before we posted or opined on Facebook our opinions, we prayed? and ask God to help us make a difference. I think that's what he's saying. The, the longer we live with anxiety, the more we carry and we just kind of pile on. You, you ever, how many of you, just, I can see you. <laughs> how many of you fly or go to airport much? I'm gonna be in airports a little bit this fall. And uh, you ever see a guy like this? Like I'm always fascinated, I love to people watch. 
Uh, when I go to the airport, I like to take as little as possible so I can carry on and on off and easy, right? But I always love watching a bunch. There's some people, they just got baggage everywhere, hanging from everything, and they're rolling it, and they look exhausted, and they're frustrated, and they're running into all kinds of people with their baggage. For a lot of us, that picture represents our anxiety. We just keep carrying it. The longer we live, we add to it, and we're just, and we're exhausted. We're frustrated. It's made some of us mean. And, and our anxiety and our baggage and the things we just keep carrying causes it to run into other people and we're hurting other people and life becomes cumbersome to get through. That's why this passage we looked at last week is so important. Peter says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand. Let him lift you up in due time. Cast, here it is, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Ask God for help. Quit carrying it. Quit carrying it and start casting it. Now, in Philippians 4, there's a few rich things hidden in the passage. Can I show them to you? He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, in everything, in Pente, uh, by prayer and petition. Uh, he uses several words here that I just read in the past, and it's like, okay, uh, the, you know, do they mean, is there any distinction? Any, yeah, there's some richness here. This word, prayer, and the Greek word is prosuke. You can forget that, but it's the general word used for prayer. And uh, sometimes it's translated worship and devotion. When Jesus taught us to pray, his disciples to pray, this is the word he used, prosuke. And what, what it means is simply this, is that we're going to practice in our anxiety, calmness, asking for help, is practicing the presence of a God who's always there. He's here. I'm going to practice. That's what prayer is. Prayer is not inviting his presence. Prayer is acknowledging his presence. We talked about this a little bit last week. We don't have to ask God to be here. One of the most common things I hear people pray is this, God, will you please be with me? Now, if you're a follower of Christ, he's here. And prayer is acknowledging that. God, be with them. Be with us in this earth. He's here. I think prayer is like me conversing with the God who's there. Prayer is acknowledging the God who is already with us in every situation. That's what prayer is. For, for some of us, and maybe this is you, I don't know all of your backgrounds, obviously, I don't even know who else watching this, but prayer becomes mechanical, routine, it's a ritual. Uh, we use terminology like this, I'm gonna just throw up a wing and a prayer. <laughs> it's a prayer. Uh, for some of us, we say a blessing before every meal. It's like, oh, well, let's say the blessing. It's almost like the thing we do, right? Will you come say a prayer? I get, I was just somewhere and they asked, would you say a prayer? I'm like the professional prayer, like you say prayers well. Uh, some of us, it's the rosary, the Hail Mary prayer, the morning prayer, the blood, whatever it is. But what I think Paul wants us to know, and what Jesus taught, prosuke, is conversation with the God who is here right now. He's in this room with me. He's in the room with you. And he will be and is in every situation. Prayer is a perpetual, intentional, constant conversation with our Father, who is the King of the universe, talked about that last week, the creator of all that we see, including us. Uh, prayer is intimacy with the Almighty. If you're taking notes, write these two words down. Uh, this comes out of a book I read by Tim Keller, but I love it. You ought to read it on prayer. Uh, that prayer is this unusual, unbelievable, profound a mixture and experience of all and intimacy at the same time. 
that prayer is being warmed by his grace and wowed by his greatness. That literally as we pray, that we come into his presence and we're wowed by his greatness, but we're warmed by his grace. There's this awe, God is big, God is ultimately in control, he's the ruler and he's my daddy. He's my father. We talked a little bit last week, right? Uh, this is the way Jesus taught us to pray. Do you remember how he taught us to pray? How he taught the disciples to pray? Uh, say it with me. Our Father. What's the next part? Yeah, you got it. Who art in heaven? Hallowed be your name. That's like our daddy in heaven. Your name is high and lifted up. You see, these got to go together because when I have intimacy without the awe, it leads to flippancy. What's up, God? My big guy in the sky, right? Uh, old guy upstairs. Uh, he's the one that I talk to only when I'm putting my makeup on in the car, right? He just leads like, what's up, God? You know, I just kind of talk to him like one of my girlfriends, boyfriend, you know, whatever it is. See, intimacy without all leads to flippancy, but all without intimacy leads to a coldness, a ritualisticness. It's just this beautiful combination. You know, a lot of you have been watching the news and the queen uh, uh, passed away after 70-some years of reign and 90-plus uh, years of life. I mean, so it's all over the news. And I'm intrigued by all of that, but I'm intrigued as I watch the, her son, Charles, who, who now is the king, but what it must have been like for him for uh, most of his life to realize that Her Majesty was his mummy. <laughs> like, he, the, the, you would watch them in public and they would do all the ritualistic uh, reverence. Like, she was Her Majesty. She was the queen. He recognized her as the queen. But it was also his mom. And that's fascinating. And that's what's going on here. Um, he says prayer, and then he says this, and petition. I always just read this, and I was like, well, he's just repeating words. He's saying the same thing a different way. And that's partially true. But he chooses a word here that I think adds color to it. And the word that he chooses here, the Greek word, means an entreaty, a supplication. Some of your versions say that. Uh, it literally means, and I pulled this right from the lexicon, arising out of a deep personal need. It's a word that has a stronger emotive sense to it. It's the idea of pleading with God through deep emotion, deep need. What's the point here? Write this down. I can be real with God about how I feel. In fact, I think he wants us to be. I can be real with God about how I feel. Um, I heard this story about a mom who had a three-year-old little girl. And the mom needed some space in the morning. Uh, so she told her three-year-old little girl that she needed to go play because mommy needed just a little space. And here's words she used. And some of you, you've heard these words. I need some space, sweetheart, to do my devotions. So she's going to spend time with God. But, but here's the words. I'm going to do my devotions. Any of you moms of preschoolers out there relate? <laughs> it reminds me of a, a story uh, of a lady whose name is Susanna Wesley. She had 19 kids. Anybody, any of you in that boat? Uh, nine of them died. But two of them went on to shape much of the Christian movement, and their names were John and Charles Wesley. 
what she would do with 19 kids, can you imagine? She would sit in a chair and she'd throw her apron over her head, forming like a tent, and she would spend time with God. And the kids would be like, she's in the tent, she's spending time with God. Just a little creative solution for some of you, right? Uh, but this mom and this three-year-old, she said, go play, I, I, I need space to do my devotions. Well, anyways, the three-year-old little girl goes to play, mom gets her space and uh, to do her devotions, but suddenly the phone rings. Well, that little girl's pretty ambitious and she wants to be a protective daughter, so she went and got the phone. The person on the other end asked the little girl, can I speak with your mommy? And she said, no, I'm sorry, she's not available right now. My mommy needs a little space to do her emotions. <laughs> I love that, right? And, and, and there's a part of me that's like, and that's okay. Because there's all in intimacy, we can pray and our devotion can be with emotion. I love that. Like, I, I know this, that as a dad, I want my kids, and I still do when it's appropriate, to tell me how they're feeling. And each was different when they were anxious. When they were anxious, they each responded different, just like you do. But we have a Father in God who wants us to come be real about how we feel. Um, my oldest, uh, Joel, when he was anxious and really there was a, a battle of the mind going on, he'd get fidgety. His knee would start going like this, and I would just, I'm like, what's up, bud? You want to talk? Uh, his younger brother, uh, uh, the youngest of our kids, Aaron, uh, he would get frigid, just cold, quiet, like no more talking, and almost this look in his eyes. I'm like, hey, bud, I know something's up. When you're ready and you want to talk, I'd love to talk to you. I can tell there's something bothering you. Uh, my middle child is girl, and uh, uh, whereas Joe be fidgety and Aaron be frigid, she just get feisty. <laughs> and if she's watching this, she knows, right? And uh, she kind of has that spunk and she just get feisty. And it's like, whoa, what's going on, man? And uh, a lot like her mom. Nah, I'm kidding, right? But, but she get feisty. Didn't matter. They all came at it different ways. I was their dad. I wanted to hear what was going on, whether they were fidgety, frigid, or feisty. I'm like, tell me what's going on. Guys, you can be real with God about how you feel. The book of Psalms has people praying through tears, fears, doubts, all kinds of failures. Do you ever think about this, Jesus? Look at some of his prayers. This is Jesus. Look at him in the garden. He literally is sweating blood. The anxiety, the, the struggle is so, right? And he's praying, God, if there's any way, at the cross, he's praying. He's like, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Like, I think we can be real about how we feel. I want to cast it. I, I don't want to carry it. Tired, don't want to carry it. I want to pray in a way that experiences awe and intimacy. And so what I realize is that kind of devotion is okay with me showing some emotion. Uh, then he says something else that I think is interesting. He says, present your request to God. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. And he says, present your request to God. That's interesting. Uh, this word is a very specific to make something known. I'm going to make known my specific request to God. This isn't a demand. This isn't an ultimatum. This isn't uh, name it, claim it, some of the... I don't know, goofy stuff that you see on TV. Uh, this is, though, I'm going to be specific in asking God for help. I'm going to be, it's not like, God, please help me. 
I love to help people. Do you love to help people? I love to help people. People come to me all the time and say, well, you help me. What's my natural next question? I, they, they, they're coming to me because they know I love to help them. But my natural next question is what? With what? Help you with what? How can I help you? You see, I think we gotta realize that God help me. We almost gotta see it as with what? It's I'm gonna bring my specific request to God. Now there's something that can be a bit confusing when we get there, right? Uh, let's just run into it, not away from it. You gotta run into stuff like that, not away from it. Jesus, the one who taught us to pray, here's what he says. When you pray, don't keep on babbling like the pagans do. For they think they'll be heard for their much in many words. Don't be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. It begs the question, or at least it sure does with me, why does he want me to tell him what I need when he already knows what I need? Listen to me, write this down somewhere, no slide. Prayer is not informational. I'm not informing God of anything. That's what he's saying. It's transformational. <clears throat> I love to help my kids. And uh, when they come to me, Dad, will you help me? Here's what they know. The answer is always yes. I want to help my kids. I want to help them, and they know I want to help them. I love them, and I love it when they come and ask me for help. But I will always ask them a follow-up question. What do you need help with and why? What do you need help with and why? How can I help you? When they were younger, they might say, Dad, can you help me with my homework? Sure, what do you need help with? Will you do my algebra for me? Uh, I don't know. Or, or Dad, will you help me? My, my teacher, I, I don't like my teacher. Will you help me? Sure, how can I help you? Will you put me in a different class with a different teacher? Mm, but I'll help you. Why do you want to be in a different class? Because I, I, I feel like... Right? And then they tell me. You see, you ask, how can I help you? Why? Because there's something very interesting when you look at this. this you ought to write this down. What Paul is saying, present your specific request till they reveal the real reason for your request. I'm not informing God, but the more I present, the more I might inform my own heart so that he can transform it. Come on. He says, present your request to God. Literally, that word present means this, to make known. Uh, Paul uses it in a different place. It's like used this way, to reveal a mystery. He says, God uh, revealed the mystery of his grace to me, and he uses the same word in Ephesians 3. Uh, what it's saying here, Paul is saying this, present, reveal, make known your request. And I would make them known till they reveal what it is I'm asking and why I'm asking. On the surface, you want a job, you want a relationship, you want more money, you want your candidate to win. But he's saying reveal to God what is really in the deepest part of your heart. What do you really want? And when I'm secure in his love, it opens the door for true intimacy. In times of anxiety and uncertainty, we pray different. Our insecurity and fear come to the surface. Here's what I want, but here's why I want it. Because here's what I fear. It's praying this way, God, I want you to make me well again. Because I'm afraid if you don't, I won't be able to do the things that made people like me. God, I want to make the team because I'm afraid if I don't, then I won't be seen as important and respected. 
God, I want my kids to behave at church today because I'm afraid if they don't, people will think I'm a terrible parent. God, I want her to say yes because I'm afraid if she doesn't, nobody ever will, and I might be alone the rest of my life, and I'm afraid that you won't really be enough. You see how that works? God, I want my husband to change, but I'm afraid that if he does not, then I cannot and I will not love the way you want me to love him. God, I want the people I vote for to win because I'm afraid that if they don't, it'll be harder and less convenient for me to follow Jesus. You see, I'm going to present my request, but I'm going to present them specifically, and I'm not informing him. I'm going to keep presenting them till I inform me of what is underneath of my request. It reveals the root. When you say, when you start to pray this way, you really, really, I believe, then you have begun to pray, and you begin to unlock the mystery of what's really deep in your heart. Andy Stanley says, what if we began to pray this way and what if you prayed not necessarily till stuff changes, but what if you prayed till the peace comes? Which led Paul to say, pray this way and the peace of God will transcend all understanding and will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Pray. In every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving next week, Present your request to God, and the peace of God will guard your hearts. It's going to, that peace that transcends, people can't get their head around, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Why, why in the world is this so important? Well, our world needs to hear this. Our country certainly could use this. You apparently need it. I've heard from many of you. But, but I told you I've been living this. My anxiety, I shared with you, that I have been on this journey with, it kind of surfaced in a new way during my bout with COVID and then now more recently with a physical journey that I've been on. But I came to realize something that I want to share with you to a certain degree today that uh, my anxiety, I don't think started then, but it has been underlying there for a long while. And those two physical situations just exasperated it. As I share what I'm about to share with you, I want to say this. I'm not looking for sympathy. Trust me, I'm, my life is definitely by a long shot, uh, no harder than anyone else's. But since God has me leading this conversation, I just want to be honest with you how it plays out in my journey in a way that I hope helps you. I love what I get to do here at the church. I, I counted a, I've been here 14 years, and I counted a privilege to be one of your pastors, one of the pastors of Grace Church. And I counted a privilege that I work with an incredible staff here. Part, I get a chance to be a part of all that God's doing. Contrary to popular belief, pastors work more than just Sundays. <laughs> so I hear that all the time, right? You work one day a week, what's the big deal? And I know everybody's joking, it's okay to joke that way. And if you're not joking and you really believe that, I'd come follow us for a week. But, uh, but you know, contrary to that joke, pastors work more than one day a week. And I am and always have been type A personality. I'm a, I'm a driven person. God is doing amazing things here at Grace Church, Norton Campus, for which I'm thankful. But I found myself, as things began to grow and speed picked up, I found myself getting into a concerning, unhealthy pattern. The more the church grew, so did my schedule. Um, I have a study at home, and I just put this up here. You probably can't see it very well, but on my desk staring at me, these are all, this is just a list of 
uh, September, October, November, December, I started a list, but a list of the things I need to prepare, sermons, which probably, you know, 15 to 20 hours go into preparing and researching and all that, um, different talks I need to give, meetings I need to be prepared to lead, uh, series that are coming up, uh, retreats that I might be leading, things like that. These are This is just a list for September and October. And, and every day in my office, it kind of stares at me. On top of this uh, is meetings I have regularly with leaders and staff, meetings I have for my role in 30 and 30 and Grace College and so on. And, and I love that stuff. Um, then the meetings that I will have scheduled, whether it be counseling or marriage, and then the funerals that will pop up. My day off is Saturday, and what I, uh, Lord willing, what I found myself doing over time as these things began to compile is to ignore it at first. Like, man, the pace, but I ignored it. But then I found myself doing just as I did with my car, I found myself starting to rev the engine of my life up. You know what I mean by that? <laughs> uh, I would get up earlier and earlier. Uh, sometimes being in my office staring at this 2.30 or 3 in the morning and I began working in my office. That's not as, I mean, that's probably not healthy and sustainable. Go to bed later, get up earlier. What was really concerning that I was feeling the pressure to produce. Produce sermons, talks, uh, leadership, feeling the pressure to pr produce. And I had so much going on and in my that, that I got up earlier and earlier if need be, and what I would do, here's the key, I would race, ready? Because I had so much going on right by my time with Jesus, and I'm like, he understands because I have all this going on and I'm doing this for him. And so I'd race right by my time with Jesus so that I could find peace in getting more done that needed to be done. Are you tracking with me? To the point where I wrote this in my prayer journal, not that awful long ago, Father, I want to preach, and this is my heart, so that people hear your spirit, not me. I want that. I want you to talk to us, to lead us, to challenge us, to encourage us. I am just like everyone else. I get anxious and fear-filled that I will not produce, and so I get self-focused instead of you-focused. And I wrote how backwards I want to hear from you. I want you, God, to be the preacher. I want you to be the leader. And sometimes I run right past you so I can get to my preparation so that I can produce what I want to be from you. It doesn't make any sense, does it, I say to him. I confess it to you this morning. Please forgive my proud and anxious heart. You see, I tell you that to say, isn't it easy to, in our anxiety, run right past? He says, hey, listen, in every situation, well, I'm too busy. I'm too busy worrying and anxious and producing and running, and it's just, you're like me and I'm like you. Here at the campus, when we sing, it's, it's interesting. Uh, some people will raise their hands. And I get asked, why in the world people raise their hands? And I think it's a great question. Some people do it because others do it. I get it. But... We have different reasons in our culture we raise our hands. Just think about it. Uh, you're hoping, as a Browns fan, you're raising your hand this week, right? It's like victory, touchdown, score, we win. Uh, you might also raise your hands like, I give up, I surrender, right? Put your hands up. 
both those reasons, right? I surrender, victory. But I think when we sing to the Lord, they mean both at the same time. That if I'm going to humble myself under his mighty hand, I'm going to lift up my hands and say, I surrender, and there's the victory. I surrender, and there's the victory. I, I would challenge you to go somewhere where you can get alone and maybe put on a song like Phil Wickham's Battle uh, Belongs, or maybe put a song on that says, Lord, I need you. Get where you feel comfortable. And put your arms up in the air. Say, God, I'm ready to cast it. You're here. I don't need to invite you to be here. I don't need to ask you to be here. You're right here. You're with me in every situation. And I'm surrendering it to you. And there's the victory. God, I feel overwhelmed. I feel like I'm not keeping up. I feel like just, just be honest with him. Be real about how you feel. And God, I really, 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 really am asking that you would and keep being specific until you get to the point where you unlock the mystery of why you're asking what you're asking, what it is you really want God to do because he wants to help you. It might not be in the way you're asking because he is the one who knows whether or not the way you're asking will really help you with what it is that you want. So God, I pray that you'd help us to pray until the peace comes because the God of peace is here. You're right here. You're, you're in this room. You're in the room with my friends. Forgive us, God, for running right past you. You're, you're, you're there and we run right past you all the time because we got stuff to do. We're Martha's and we miss the Mary encounters with you. And um, I know you don't want us to be lazy and you want us to work hard, but sometimes we run right past you. And then we struggle with anxiety while the God of peace is right here with us. I pray for my friends right now. I don't know all of their struggles, but help them to recognize, acknowledge that you're with them right now. And I pray in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving that they and I would make our requests known to you so that you can transform what you are informing our hearts of. And then that the peace of God would guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because the God of peace is with us. In his name and for his sake, amen.